You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you so very much for joining us here again today. Well, here we are. We are getting into late October already. The leaves are yellow, the weather is changing. And it is going to start getting cold soon. And so everybody always wants to know, what is our winter weather outlook? Well, a few weeks ago, we did interview somebody from the Old Farmer's Almanac. Today, we are going to the federal government. I'm going to be interviewing today two warning coordinator meteorologists from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration working at the National Weather Service. One of them from Pendleton, Oregon. That'll be Mark Austin. And one from Boise, Idaho. That is Jay Breidenbaugh. And we'll be able to speak with both of them about weather outlooks coming up for all of the regions that you can hear my voice in on the radio show. And we'll also be talking about opportunities to be more involved with the weather, to be a weather spotter, to learn more about it if this is a passion of yours like it is mine. In addition, we will be talking about different weather patterns and how it impacts your area and why some things happen the way they do. Really, really interesting episode. And you know, the weather impacts all of us and we all deal with it one way or another. Some of us like it, some of us don't. I even asked a question during this episode of, are there any people who like inversions? I didn't think there were any and they pointed out snow skiers do. And you know what? That's absolutely true. And there's a lot of snow up on that mountain and it's beautiful, bright, sunny day up there. And it's warm when it's cold down in the valley. People love to get up there and ski. So everybody's got their own thing they like or dislike about the weather. And today we're going to dive deeper into that. Hope you enjoy getting to learn all about our local weather here, all the way from Pendleton, Oregon, down to Twin Falls, Idaho, just as much as I did. Well, Jay and Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I am thrilled to be here and to get to speak with you both. Man, it is uh, great to, to speak with you. Welcome to the National Weather Service. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's good uh, good to have you along. And Jay, thanks for inviting me to the program. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, I am, I am thrilled. So I have been, I guess I'll call myself a weather enthusiast. I've been a weather enthusiast for a long, long time uh, in college, we had cable, which was was cool. We finally had cable, and we would sit there with music on with the Weather Channel just on a loop the entire time, just watching weather over and over and over again. So I guess I'm a weather enthusiast, but you guys get to do it professionally, so I'm a little bit jealous. Well, and the Weather Channel had good smooth jazz there back in the day, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> they did, but we shut that off and put on something different. <laughs> like George yeah, Strait or something. Depending on where you are, there still is some good smooth jazz every now and then. But uh, yeah, I think from about age eight to age 15 or 16, I think I had that on just like you did. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely you're among friends here. <laughs> okay. Well, so for everybody out there listening, this is a, a very cool moment for me because I get to come down to the National Weather Service office and where everything gets forecast and done for the Treasure Valley and for this region of Idaho at NIFSI, uh, connected right to the Boise Airport. And Jay is, is hosting me here. And then, Mark, you are coming in from the office in Pendleton, Oregon, right? That's correct. Well, let's do a really quick introduction of both of you. Uh, Jay, we'll start with you. Just tell us what your title is, what you do, and uh, kind of how you got here. 
Well, excellent. Uh, yeah, again, Jay Breidenbach. I'm the Warning Coordination Meteorologist here at our station in uh, Boise. And my role is not really with the day-to-day forecast, but we have a whole team of meteorologists that produce the forecast for southwestern Idaho and southeastern Oregon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my role is to work with the emergency management community, with the news media to a certain extent as well, to make sure that they're able to receive the forecast, especially when we have severe weather and how to interpret that weather forecast. And Mark, your turn. Yeah, I mean, I think Jay captured the position fairly well. I mean, I'm in the same basic position as he is. I'm just located a few hundred miles further to the west. And so, yeah, we have a great talented operations team here. They're the ones that primarily are putting those forecasts together. And, uh, you know, the primary responsibility of the warning coordination meteorologist is to interact with our core partners, uh, namely being uh, the emergency management community Mm -hmm. and, of course, the public, you know, because uh, that's who pays for us to be here and uh, for us to support them. So it's really it's a great job. It allows us to interact with a, a number of different people from different backgrounds. And it's just a lot of fun to get out and talk to people, get out to schools and educate maybe the next generation of buddy meteorologists. And uh, Matt, our mission as a whole is protecting lives and property mm-hmm. from severe weather. And we have a vision in the weather service and it's about building a weather ready nation. We want people to be prepared for severe weather no matter where it is you think about the hurricanes for example Mm -hmm. that have recently hit florida and north carolina those are devastating weather impacts and if you think about a storm like that arriving with no warning well you'd have the galveston hurricane of 1900 which Mm -hmm. claimed 10,000 lives oh wow and so you guys you guys have the ability to kind of tell us what's coming and, and get us ready Now, you've both worked at other locations uh, around the country, is that correct? Yes, we have 122 forecast offices like the one you see here in uh, Boise, Mm -hmm. and they're positioned so that we can work with the local community. My background, I came from our headquarters office, um, worked in the hydrology uh, laboratory, basically as a research meteorologist working with radar data Mm -hmm. uh, to analyze uh, precipitation and, and rainfall and to drive flood models. Where is that headquarters office located? That's in Silver Spring, Maryland. That's in the D.C. uh, area. All right. And then how about you, Mark? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that that I wound up here as neighbors uh, to Jay because uh, we were talking about it. First time I met him was actually just about a month ago, and we found out we both have the same uh, alma mater. We both went to Florida State. So we're Mm. both Florida State Seminoles a long way from home, but we we certainly had a different track uh, to get out here. Um, I started at the office in Tallahassee, which is located there on Florida State University campus. And, uh, you know, their area, their county warning area is what we call it, was really hammered hard by uh, Hurricane uh, Michael just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So definitely felt it for my friends back home. But then I kind of bounced around a little bit. I spent some time in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, that was quite an exciting uh, experience. A lot of tornadic activity, a lot of severe uh-huh. thunderstorms. And then I went back to Florida for a while and experienced some more tropical weather um, in the Tampa, Florida office. And now I'm all the way out here in uh, Pendleton, Oregon. So I guess I like to diversify my experience a little bit. (laughs) I guess so. A wide array of weather. Really, really interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, fellas, let's do this. I have to take a quick commercial break. 
But I know what everybody listening wants to know, and that that is what is our winter's weather going to be like. So we'll have Jay speak to southwestern Idaho. We'll have Mark speak to eastern Oregon, and and we'll go from there and, and talk about some forecasts a little bit, and uh, we'll dive into this discussion, all right? Sounds great, man. Perfect. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. If you're like most homeowners, you have places where you don't want any kind of grasses or weeds to grow. Places like a patio, driveway, gravel path, or fence line. But here's good news. You can get rid of unwelcome plant growth by spraying those places with Ortho Ground Clear Vegetation Killer. One application starts working immediately to kill existing weeds and grass, and it prevents new growth for up to a year. So keep your property looking neat and clean. Get Ortho Ground Clear Vegetation Killer today. All right. Well, Mark, let's start with you this time. So everybody wants to know what's in store for us, uh, what the winter's going to be like, and no one's going to hold you responsible. But uh, what are what are <laughs> what are forecasts or what are patterns? What what's it looking like? We're going to be expecting in that eastern Oregon, you know, Pendleton down to Baker City, Legrand area this this winter. Sure. Well, you know, it's always tricky because we always say day to day weather can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a bit so you can go from a nice nice few days like i think the last couple of weeks have been fantastic in our area anyway i can't speak for jay but uh yeah eastern eastern oregon's been beautiful i've had some nice mild uh, fall days and cool evenings but you know we're looking at uh maybe going into kind of a weak el nino and you know we throw these terms around like el nino la nina mm-hmm. it's all tied to the water temperature in the equatorial pacific region and that actually can have some weight in terms of what we experience Experience across different parts of the country. And so uh, what that typically means for the Northwest anyway, is a slightly drier, slightly milder winter on average. That doesn't mean we're not going to get any snow. Hate to break the bad news for those people that might not want any, but <laughs> it does mean that we may expect a little bit less and it may tend to be just slightly warmer than average. And how about here in southwestern Idaho, Jay? Uh, Matt, it's a similar uh, scenario here for uh, southwestern Idaho, including eastern Oregon, all the way over in, in Baker City. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks um, with El Nino that favors uh, warmer than normal, averaged over the whole winter. I'm also going to break a little bit of... Actually, this will be good news, I think, for <laughs> eastern Oregon, because... Uh, they're in moderate to severe drought, so they could mm-hmm. yep. they could actually use some snow. So uh, hopefully it will snow, but the odds favor warmer and drier, slightly drier than normal conditions for this part of the country. So that wouldn't be a good thing. I think, no, in, I guess in it the wouldn't. face of ongoing drought. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't. Well, I mean, we live in the West. Drought is part of our weather, and when we talk about severe weather, sometimes in the West, drought is our severe weather, isn't it? You know, I like to think that uh, fire weather is yeah, our, yes. our severe weather. We get a dry lightning storm go through, and it kicks off a bunch of wildfires after mm-hmm. a dry summer, and that's a pretty serious uh, situation. That, that's actually one of the reasons that we're located here on the campus of the National Interagency Fire Center, sure. so that we can coordinate with the wildland firefighters. One of our forecasters is what's called an incident meteorologist, and they will go to the location of the fire, mm-hmm. camp with the firefighters, 
brief incident command on the, the weather situation because that's the most important element in trying to, to fight a fire. Mm-hmm. When they do that, are they looking at the dynamics of the weather that are being influenced by the fire or the trends that are coming in from outside of the fire area? They're going to look at, at everything. And with, with wildland fire, it starts with the fuel conditions, if the forests, the rangeland, if, if that's ready to burn, and then you have critical fire uh, weather conditions hot weather, dry weather, windy weather, or dry lightning, mm-hmm. that's a critical fire weather situation. And so when you have a fire going, the fire interacts with the weather. Sometimes it can make its own weather. And so understanding how that is going to occur and how it's going to interact with the terrain, mm-hmm. um, it, again, that takes a team effort. There's usually a fire behavior analyst on the fire, and they'll work closely with our meteorologists to uh make those predictions so officially uh the the trends make it look like a warmer and drier winter in in both locations uh from all the way from pendleton down through the magic valley twin falls that's correct even over in twin falls it looks like the same uh, pattern one way i like to put that though it's the odds favorite so it's kind of like if you have a casino you bet on (laughs) on warm and dry it's hard to tell exactly where that <laughs> roulette wheel is going to stop. Right. It could stop and average cooler and, and wetter than normal. All right. But if you're a betting person, you know where to place your bed. Yeah, that large-scale climate pattern, El Nino, you know, I mentioned it affects different parts of the country uh, differently. Mm-hmm. There was a much stronger signal in Florida where it would actually be cooler and wetter during El Nino years. So, you know, just because we're getting in this El Nino discussion about it being slightly drier and warmer – some areas have a really strong signal like, yeah, you can almost bet it's going to be mm-hmm. warmer and drier, whereas, you know, some have kind of more variable. It might change from year to year when we have those El Ninos in place. So I think that's why we have, yeah, drier, drier and, and warmer than normal, but uh, there has to be some uncertainty thrown in there, too, because, again, we could obviously and hopefully do end up with some decent snow events and, and some rain events leading into that. Now, I've got a follow-up question on that, uh, and I'm being selfish. I'm going to be asking a question specific for the Treasure Valley here, but if it's drier and warmer, is that an indication of longer and more severe inversions? Well, that's a, a, a good question. Typically, when you have an inversion, you have a ridge of high pressure sitting over the area. Mm-hmm. And um, that tends to favor an inversion setting up. It, it, it favors initially clear skies over right. the area. But then as the days get shorter, as you head into uh, winter, the surface will cool down. So it's colder near the surface mm-hmm. than it is aloft. It tends to be a very dry pattern. The mountains are warmer than normal, so the forests continue to dry out. We don't get much snow. Mm-hmm. But the valleys get stuck in this nasty inversion yeah. where it's cold and foggy. And uh, Boise, that happens, I, I think, over in your area too, Mark. Yeah, Pendleton is pretty notorious for getting socked in with clouds and fog and highs in the 20s and lows in the teens, you know, just nasty weather. Yeah. And that tends to be really bad for like freezing drizzle and, uh-huh. you know, just gets, it can get pretty nasty. Yeah, definitely. But with no significant precipitation. Right. It's just so, dry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You get the, the cold and the gray without the snow. Okay. Well, that's never fun. I don't like the inversions. I don't know. Are there any fans of inversions out there? 
skiers like inversions after, <laughs> after it has snowed in the mountains. Okay, uh, yeah. If you if you like to ski, uh, it is beautiful in the mountains That's during true. an inversion. It's it's usually warmer than normal. Uh, mm-hmm. The sky will be blue, and you'll come over that hill mm-hmm. on Highway 55 if you're familiar with Boise, and you look down, and the valley is just. It yeah. looks like an ocean out there filled with clouds. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm no skier, but inversions turn me into one. I will go up to Bogus Basin to ski and get into the sunshine if we've had a, you know, a three or four week inversion or something like that for sure. Yeah. Same thing over in the Blue Mountains. The Blue Mountains yeah. over near Meacham will stick up out yep. of the inversion and gosh. Pendleton's. I haven't experienced that yet, but I kind of look forward to it. <laughs> if I get a chance, get up in the mountains and look out at that sea of clouds and get some sun this winter. Well, fellas, let's take another commercial break. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about these specific different areas where we've got listeners who are wanting to know kind of how the climate works where they're at. Get pro-grade tools at primo prices at D&B's DeWalt Tool Sale, October 17th through the 28th. Save up to $200 on select tools like the FlexVolt Brushless Premium Hammer Drill and Impact Driver Kit. Then top it all off with serious savings on the rest of the lineup, too. Power up your fall and make filling up your tool shed easy than ever at the DeWalt Tool Sale, October 17th through the 28th, only at your favorite D&B Supply. You work hard, you play hard, and you wear burn. Durable clothing that fits the bill no matter what you're up to. Available at your favorite D&B. Since 1915, Burn has supplied busy Americans with workwear made right, made affordable, and made to get to work. Whether you're earning a living or just living large, Burn clothing is rugged, comfortable, and perfect for the whole family. Pick up Burn gear at DNB Supply and be ready for wherever life takes you. All right. Well, now that we're back, I want to ask about specific climate types for i guess microclimates if you will i don't know the technical term i'm sure you'll you'll teach me for example i went to a class put on by the national weather service but in buell down in the magic valley so down near twin falls about a year ago and it was so i could become a weather spotter and so i could take photographs i could call in when i saw something and i could be the weather spotters and while i was down there the instructor said that for southwestern idaho twin falls county was one of the most active weather patterns that we have. And so for me, that meant a lot because I like exciting weather. And so you can find more of it down there. So obviously there's a little bit, there's different climate dynamics and weather dynamics, say in the Magic Valley, as opposed to the Treasure Valley, as opposed to uh, Baker City and LaGrande and Pendleton. Uh, what are this, those differences between those four regions? If, if you can kind of give us just a general idea. How about I just kind of start off by saying that the weather in the west is actually very fascinating because of our varied terrain mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about that with the inversion and how mm-hmm. the mountains can be really different than the valleys and so you know you start over in in mark's area in, in pendleton and you imagine a storm coming in uh from the west mm-hmm it's not going to be the same everywhere. It's going to be Mm -hmm. quite different because of that terrain. So that's the first principle of of forecasting in the Western United States, understand your terrain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would just add to that, you know, because it's relatively dry, certainly coming from Tampa, it's much, much drier. Your temperatures can vary so much from location to location. So when we get in these, you know, really bad fire weather patterns, especially Mm -hmm. Winds coming off the mountains can be really bad because you get more heating, it dries your fuels out, you can get really strong wind gusts. 
And uh, yeah, major changes from the valleys. Like, you know, we have the Tri-Cities area in our area, which gets out of out of Oregon and gets up into southern Washington. Mm-hmm. But from there, even to Pendleton and then into the Blue Mountains, there's just so much variability there. Rainfall, temperature, in the winter and the summer, both, uh, you just, you name it. There's so much, so much change across uh, such a short, short distance. You know, I always wonder about that. So we have a small farm out in Cuna. Uh, so Jay, you'll be familiar with Cuna. Mark, you won't unless you, unless you spent some time here. Uh, but to our almost due west, we have the Owyhee Mountains. And I know that there has got to be some rain shadow effect coming off the Owyhees, depending on how storms are coming in. But how significant is that to our area here, Jay? Well, the Owyhees play a, a critical role in what happens right here in the Treasure Valley. Typically in the wintertime, our big precipitation makers will have a southwesterly wind flow, Mm -hmm. and it'll bring a lot of precipitation right off of the Pacific Ocean into our area, and it'll be snowing like crazy in the Owyhee Mountains, but if you imagine that southwesterly wind continuing into the Treasure Valley, it downslopes off of those mountains, and actually the Cuna area, actually the closer you get to the Snake River, that's in the rain shadow of the Waihee Mountains. Okay. And it doesn't start to flow upslope again until it gets to the Boise Front. Mm-hmm. And so it, it can snow again pretty heavily at Bogus Basin. In the valley, you'll get totally skunked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're exactly right. That's a great observation about the Waihee Mountains and the impact here in, in the Treasure Valley. Well, it's so easy nowadays because you can just go on your, your smartphone and pull up a Doppler application. Uh, There's one through the NOAA uh, and you can pull that up and you can just look and see that there's like this bubble around the Treasure Valley that is receiving no precipitation with all the stuff going around it. And that's, I always assume that's the, that's the rain shadow from the Owyhees. Right. And it doesn't always work though, because if we have a west northwesterly wind flow, that's when the Treasure Valley, Cuna Mm -hmm. area can get just hammered with with rain because you're not in the downslope Mm-hmm. direction from from the Owyhees. Mark, I think you have something like that over in the Blue Mountains, don't you, over there uh, but from uh, Pendleton up towards Legrand and the Blue yeah, Mountains? Yeah, I'm sure. Between. I mean, Legrand's a little, I guess, a little closer to the mountains probably than like Baker City, for example, but mm-hmm. any anywhere you're going to have any kind of uh, increase in elevation topography like that, you're going to have some kind of rain shadow. So, you know, we cover all the way over to like the eastern slopes of the Cascades, so that's a very noticeable rain shadow you know during the wet season but blue mountains are a little more gradual but even then from pendleton we're at like 1500 feet here you're going up to about 4500 feet in the blues so Mm -hmm. you see that moisture you can actually see it condense and you get these dark ominous clouds over the the peaks if you will the mountains even Mm -hmm. though those are eh, smaller compared to some of them Mm -hmm. but you know by the time you get a little farther east it may not be quite as much and actually experienced that kind of driving out here because i just made my way up here uh, back in early October and we did have a little bit of rain uh, that first week I was here and you could actually see where those clouds would form right on the tops of the mountains mm-hmm. whereas it might be you know more mid-level clouds or mostly dry uh, you know where it was lower elevation so just interesting observation and definitely has a major impact on point-to-point location uh, rainfall and even temperature. Yeah, and another thing to point out generally the higher elevation you are cooler it is and the more precipitation you get for example here you know in the treasure valley including ontario and and boise we average about 12 inches of precipitation Mm -hmm. 
in a year. You go up into the mountains, bogus basin area, it gets about 25 inches of rain oh. and melted snow, so more than twice what, what the valley gets. You go further west over towards uh, Pendleton, still very dry climate, high desert mm-hmm. in, in Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now- it is, yeah. I think we average about uh, 15 inches a year and, you know, a little under a foot of snow altogether. But, yeah, as you mentioned, you get up toward Meacham, for example, in the Blue Mountains, they get mm-hmm. a lot more snow, a lot more precipitation than we do. Now, when it comes to that statement that was said to me when I took that class in Buell, that Twin Falls County is one of the most active weather areas. Is it topography that's impacting that and making that one of the most active weather areas here in southwest Idaho? The topography does play a role, although in the summertime, one of our moisture sources for this part of the world is the monsoon, the Mm -hmm. desert monsoon, which originates over northern Mexico, draws in moisture from the Gulf of Mexico and the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. And occasionally some of that moisture will come north and make it all the way up into Idaho. Every once in a while, it'll go as far west as Oregon. But the Twin Falls area usually is a little closer to that moisture than we are in Boise or Ontario, Baker City. Uh, you know, the further west you go, the less likely you are to tap into that mm-hmm. deep, very moist monsoon moisture that originates over the desert southwest. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take another break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about education a little bit and where people can learn more and, and what you all do in terms of education and things like that. Great. At DMB Supply, we don't let anything bog us down because we have bog boots, the ultimate footwear for working outside in any weather. Bogs are made to face the elements no matter what. Mud? No problem. Snow? Plow right through. Water? Make a splash. They'll keep your feet warm and dry in any season, anywhere you want to wander. With styles and sizes for every job and everyone in your family, pick up a pair of bog boots. Available now at your favorite D&B. Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by D&B to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. Like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw. Available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steel at your favorite D&B supply. All right, fellas. Well, I mentioned that I got certified as a weather spotter, and I tell you what, I was thrilled to be able to do that. And then this spring, uh, we were actually coaching my daughter's softball team and we got done with practice. And actually we called practice early because there was big thunderstorms coming over the Owyhees towards Cuna. And we got almost home and stopped to watch one of them. And I saw what I thought was a wall cloud, but I'd never seen one before other than in videos and in pictures. Took pictures of it. I actually called into the office, uh, identified myself as a weather spotter, emailed in the photo, and they said, yes, you found a wall cloud. I was That's one of the most thrilling weather moments of my life right there. But I, I wanted to ask you about that for other people out there who are very enthusiastic about the weather like I am. If they want to be more involved, uh, why do you have people getting certified as, as weather spotters, and, and how can they go about doing that? Uh, that's a great question, uh, Matt. We do like to teach people about the uh, weather. Uh, actually, that's part of our mission is, you know, educating people about the weather and particularly weather safety. So I was, I'm really excited that you were able to call off practice yeah. and protect the kids from that lightning threat. You know, if you look yeah. at lightning across the country, that's a big 
uh, factor in weather injuries, weather fatalities. Usually we lose about 40 to 50 people every year due to lightning, and most of those people are participating in outdoor activities, soccer Mm -hmm. practice or or baseball or something like Mm -hmm. that. So I feel really good when you tell us that that you took action. So nice work there. So weather safety, that's part of the education, but we like to be in a position where we can have people that we can call when we see something on radar. We have the radar on our screen over here, and actually we were looking at a few thunderstorms around the area today. They don't look severe, but if they look severe, if we have a spotter network that we can call, we could look and see where you're on the map and say, hey, Matt, what's it look like at your house? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing anything? And if you report, yeah, I see a wall cloud. Well, you, we know that you've been through the training. We've showed you mm-hmm. pictures of this. This is a reliable report. Mm-hmm. And that may actually be useful in warning people down the line. Hey, this is a severe thunderstorm. It could even produce a tornado. Those wall clouds rotate. And often that can be a precursor to a tornado, yeah. which is pretty rare in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jay, and I think it's important too. You know, one of the big things we deal with out west that some offices don't have to deal with is you get you know the beam blockage from the mountains, and so mm-hmm. you may have a big thunderstorm in an area. I know for us, uh, Bend is particularly vulnerable because there's kind of a radar hole there; we can't see it very well. So we have satellite data we can use, but we're still not able to really see how severe that storm is. Uh, so it's great to have that ground truth from somebody who's passionate about weather who you know we can rely on we know has gone through that training now how do people go through that training if they wanted to do this uh what would they do if they say they were in pendleton and they wanted to get certified or go through the class or or down here in boise how would you go about doing that yeah that's great i'm glad you asked there's there's a number of different ways there are in-person spotter trainings where we'll go, you know, to, uh, you know, we have them in Pendleton here, but there's a number of towns in our area that we'll go visit uh, on an annual basis. So we'll do in-person trainings. And that usually is about a one and a half hour affair where we go and we get up and talk. People can tell their stories about the big storm they saw in whatever year it was. <laughs> uh, but there's also, you know, what's, what's growing in popularity now is uh, the online, you know, the virtual based uh, training. So, We'll actually hold a spotter training uh, webinars from time to time for people who want to who want to chime in, and that can be advantageous too for people who may not even be in the area but have an interest in the weather across the Northwest because mm-hmm. um, they can dial in from other places. And finally, actually, there's a, a group called MetEd. It's like Met Education, M-E-T-E-D, and they actually have a self-paced set of modules you can go and kind of go through a training uh, yourself. So there's a number of different ways to do it. And Jay, you may have a you know a certain way you you handle it there in, in Boise. I'm still getting spun up here in Pendleton. So yeah, we like the in-person classes. Uh, actually, we, we would like to produce. Uh, more of a uh, virtual type class but it's it's just really I, I we learn a lot when we talk to people uh, at, at the class when they have a story about a, a storm mm-hmm. you know it's we'll learn something about the local area and and the impacts that are important in that location and it kind of gets us out of the office as well to different places now did you have was there some new educational outreach that you wanted to talk about today Well, when it comes to um, observations, so we rely on our spotter network to provide us some visual observations, and it's it's always really cool when a spotter has 
some weather equipment at their house, maybe an anemometer to measure the wind speed, Mm -hmm. or it could be something as simple as just a rain gauge to let us know how much rain was observed. Um, And that could be important, you know, for dealing with uh, flash flooding, Mm -hmm. how much rain fell at your location. So um, we really like those types of, of observations. Observations in the West are kind of sparse. You know, we have... Uh, some really good observations at the airports. So Boise has a, a high quality observation. So does Twin Falls, uh, Baker City, Pendleton, and Ontario. They all have aviation quality observations, but if you look in between, not so much. And so there's a program called Cocoraz. It's the Community Collaborative op- uh, Community Collaborative Rain, Hail, and Snow Network. Okay. I always get that one tied up in my mouth too. So, and do you have the website up there? What What is the website I, for that? I do. It's cocoraz dot org. That's c o c o r a h s dot o r g. And uh, yeah, Jay, you know you can you can kind of fill in the the gaps here. But yeah, you kind of go there and and volunteer to take rainfall, snowfall measurements uh, on a daily basis. I guess if you had hail, then you might measure that too. Mm-hmm. It does happen. And then that information is available to us. I think it's available to pretty much anybody, isn't it, Jay? Yeah, just about anybody. Uh, and actually, it's it's even spreading to other countries now. So just in terms of increasing the observation of weather and, and precipitation, we think it's a valuable thing. It came out of the university community, but the Weather Service loves this data. It's an op- opportunity to get some cheap weather equipment, a, a very nice rain gauge at a low cost as well. So just wanted to let Great. your listeners know that that's available. And as far as community outreach goes, uh, you guys have a great website, uh, the NOAA.gov, I believe, is the website I go to. Probably the easiest way to remember that is weather.gov. Weather.gov, yeah, just, that's just what I Just remember weather.gov, okay. and uh, it's really cool because it'll bring up a map of the United States. You can see where all uh-huh. 122 offices are, and you can click anywhere on that map and get a really detailed mm-hmm. forecast with no advertisements. Right. Yep. Weather service isn't trying to sell anything. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just following our mission to protect lives and property, and that data is out there at no mm-hmm. cost. Yeah, that is my go-to, and there's a lot of really neat stuff on there. There's uh, weather history for, like, for example, Thanksgiving's coming up, and there's always some sort of a hyperlink for Thanksgiving weather history right specifically where you're at, which is kind of cool yep. to look. Because you sit back and you go, oh, every Thanksgiving's been so cold, then you look at the history report and you go, oh, it's only been three out of the last 10, you know, and so for for somebody like me, that's a lot of fun to look at. And then you've got a great app as well with Doppler available on there as well as uh, satellite too, right? Right. You know, NOAA just launched a, two brand new satellites and this data is really fascinating to, to look at this data. And if you want the mobile version of our website, it's mobileweather.gov. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I think it's mobile.weather.gov. Mobile. I'm not sure. Yeah, mobile. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, Mark's going to look that up for us, okay. but I believe it's... Yeah, I'll double check. Hold on just a second. We're going to get you that website. <laughs> okay. But it's the mobile version of our website, and I have it on my phone. So, you know, when my wife asks, uh, you know, what the weather's going to be like, where we're going camping, I can click on the map or yeah. enter the address, and boom, there it is. And I can see the radar and the satellite, so if... 
for example, if I'm going to be out at a soccer practice or something, I can pull up the radar mm-hmm. and see where that storm is and see see where it's moving. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, mobile.weather.gov. Great. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice, too, because you can actually, depending on what phone model you have, you mm-hmm. can save a location as a widget on your phone, and you can just tap it, and it pops up with that location. Yeah. Uh, so pretty nice capability there. Jay, I know you just mentioned uh, that those nice new satellites that we launched, those goes uh, east and now goes west, which is still, I think, in testing, correct, but is supposed to be fully operational here fairly soon. And ironically enough, I, you know, when they launched that satellite, I was in Florida. So I actually got to go and watch that oh. one go into space. So that was pretty cool. Very wow. Cool. I, I would have liked to have had that experience. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, just a couple hour drive. I was like, well, what the heck? I may as well go over there yeah. and watch it go, you know. <laughs> and now you're, now you're looking at the data right in your office. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we take our last break, I just wanted to remind the audience. So on the website, uh, that's where I learned about the Weather Spotter class. There was a link right there, and that's how I got tuned into it. Uh, I've seen other ones advertised. There was one specifically for pilots who fly in our region. Uh, so a lot of great information on there, that weather history, more in-depth weather data, hydrology outlooks. I mean, tons of great stuff. So if you like the weather, definitely check out that website. And with that said, let's take our final break. And when we come back, uh, we'll wrap it up talking about careers in meteorology and anything else we can think about to keep talking about the weather. When cool fall weather comes, you might as well look cool too. That's why D&B carries Wrangler with jeans and clothes made to roll with the times for people who work hard and have fun. The defining Western brand since 1947, Wrangler is a true original, designed in the spirit of courageous individuality, just like you. With new styles and great fits, they're real comfortable, too. Get fit for fall and get into Wrangler jeans at your favorite D&B supply. D&B's got just the feed for every horse at every life stage. Purina Strategy. Whether your horses are growing, breeding, showing, or performing, Purina Strategy delivers the right density of protein, energy, and fat with less starch for more endurance and overall stamina. It's true. The standard in horse feed just got better. Our Purina Strategy horse feed now includes Outlast Supplement to support the gastric health of every horse in your barn. We'll see you soon at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, fellas. Well, now that we're back, let's talk really quick for those folks out there who love the weather about careers in meteorology. Now, I have looked before at what it would take to become a meteorologist, and I decided immediately I wasn't smart enough. So hats off to you two because I, I couldn't handle the physics nor the advanced math. But there's also a position I saw called a, I believe it was a meteorological technician or something to that effect. Could you talk about a couple of those opportunities really quick uh, that are out there for people who would maybe like to be involved uh, in the weather full-time? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, the meteorological technicians, those tend to be uh, people that are involved more in uh, making sure that our equipment sites are working properly. So that's anything from the radar to the different observation sites that we have, like Mm -hmm. the one we have in Lagrande here in Pendleton. So that's extremely important, you know, that we keep that service, that we keep it working properly so we can keep a good record of what's going on. There are a number of different places or different positions here in the National Weather Service. Uh, You know, me and Jay are the warning coordination meteorologists, and we kind of talked about what that position entails. There's also our, our forecast team. You know, we have forecasters that are out there all the time, and they're interpreting data. They're looking at the storm systems rolling in and how it's going to affect the weather across the region. 
So there's just a number of different things that you can do. And, you know, Jay, you can elaborate on that a little bit if you'd like to. Yeah, I, I, careers in the weather service, I think, are, are very exciting. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Matt. I, I think <laughs> okay. you could do this. I, I really do. The The math and physics is I'll tough. I'll second that. <laughs> the, the math and physics is tough, but uh, it's just perseverance. You just got to stick with it. Uh-huh. But you've got the passion. That's what I had when I was... Uh, a kid I loved the weather and I started out it was going to be an engineering major you know and Uh uh, it took a lot of math and science and I was actually pretty good in math and science but it took kind of the passion and the interest in the weather I I think to to really kind of see how I could apply physics and math in a way that was interesting I, and I'll second what, what Jay said there, but uh, same story. And I was telling you before we started the program that it scared me enough that, you know, I kind of waffled around a couple different majors the first couple of years in college. Mm-hmm. But it's all about that passion, you know, and what drives you. And do you want to be the person that goes to work and you love everything you do every day? Or do you want to just go to work to, to make money, you know? So I think, you know, if you have a passion in weather and encourage people to pursue it, go for it. You never know what you can do until you apply it. You know, a question that that comes off the back of that one is how much the two of you and and whoever wants to start with this is fine, but how how much the two of you, you have all the instruments, the data, the computers, satellites at your disposal, I mean, all this type of stuff, but what about old school? Uh, What about being able to look at at clouds and identify, you know, you've got Cirrus coming in or Cirrostratus or or something like that, and that indicates you're going to have this type of weather do you either one of you go outside and do any projecting uh, just based off the raw materials you have in the sky you want to take a shot at that mark <laughs> and i'll go I'll, okay i'll go <laughs> yeah no i can i can i don't yeah, mind yeah yeah uh, absolutely um you know before i mentioned that i worked uh, for a time in norman oklahoma mm-hmm. and when i was there you know it, tornadoes were in my backyard every year it seemed like so so i did actually a little bit of storm chasing not as part of the job mm-hmm. just kind of as you know an extracurricular if you will just for fun and i feel like when you look up at the sky and you see that storm and you see the moisture channel into the storm and you can see it rotating you learn so much that you can apply to the time when you're sitting in front of the radar and looking at that storm in a different way mm-hmm. so i would say it's definitely you know I guess if you call it old school, you know, I just call it looking out the window sometimes. <laughs> you know, if, if you just, if you walk outside sometimes, feel where the, what direction the wind's coming from. You know, if, if you are having that high serious blow in, is it going to keep you cooler than you thought you were going to be? So, yeah, that's absolutely critical. And it's important to, to get out and actually feel it, feel the weather sometimes and enjoy it, you know. I, I like going old school. You know, I, I you know, if I'm going to go camping or something, I'm not going to have the internet. I'm not right. going to have my satellite. I may not even have cell phone coverage in a lot of the area that we we serve with our, our forecasts. So, you know, typically I'll try to get an idea of what the weather is going to be like before I go. But then it's then, yeah, I'm going to be old school. I'm going to be looking at the clouds. A lot of the stuff we talk about in our spotter class, um, mm-hmm. I try to apply that, you know, to my own mm-hmm. safety. You know, if I see cumulus developing. I know the atmosphere is unstable. If I see a cumulonimbus cloud, I know I've got a thunderstorm off in the distance. And so mm-hmm. I better be prepared. So absolutely, it's good to be old school. Uh, and one last question for you both. Uh, we have a really, really strong contingent of agricultural folks uh, in our audience, and, and I am one of those people. And I here in the Treasure Valley, 
Uh, back in the mid-1990s when I was in college, I got to come here and work in agriculture for an internship for six months. And so I saw the entire growing season. And now that I'm here and now that I, I grow alfalfa on our farm and, and I'm raising cattle and I'm, I'm really paying closer attention to the growing season, I'm watching people, especially hay farmers, get more cuttings of hay than I ever remember them getting. And you talk to the farmers who've been farming in the area I'm at for, for a long time, and they're saying they're getting more cuttings. And, and so I'm thinking uh, climate change, and, and regardless of the, the cause of climate change, that can be such a charged issue. Are we actually seeing an extension in our growing season here in our region, or is this just something that uh, is kind of anecdotal and, and I'm making up? Uh, I don't think you're making it up. In fact, uh, we asked our uh, climate focal point here to to look at some data uh, for us in Baker City, in Boise, in La Grande, Ontario, and and Pendleton. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing you'll notice is the data is a little bit noisy. So some years you can have a a late freeze or an Mm -hmm. early freeze, and that kind of cuts the growing season short but you know i would say in the last 10 to 15 years you definitely see a a trend towards longer growing seasons and um, that's consistent with what we see nationally if you average this data together nationally it kind of removes some of the noise Mm -hmm. and we've seen about a 10-day extension of the growing season interesting um recently so that's that's a real thing that you're seeing is part of the warming climate mm-hmm. yeah and i'm actually really glad that you you asked that question you know because i i would not have had a clue so it's good you know to be involved in these kinds of interviews mm-hmm. uh to, to learn myself because you know the growing season is something that you know people live and die by it's it's right. their way of life so to see that and to understand how critical it is, uh, it's been really valuable for me. Well, you know, I know there's pluses and minuses to everything, but what I've been seeing, at least locally in our region, and of course we have irrigation water here, is I'm seeing people get one to two, and in some cases, three more cuttings of hay than I remember from the mid-90s when I worked in agriculture here in the valley. So uh, it's been interesting, but I just wanted to verify that and see what the data showed while I was here, but it sounds like it indeed is happening. That's another example of what we learn by by talking to people in the different communities. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. fascinating, especially to talk to farmers and, and ranchers, because what, what we find is they are ve- very weather savvy, and uh, they, they know a lot, and we can learn a lot from them. So that's a very interesting thing to learn about the number of cuttings on, on alfalfa. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a one of my college roommates and I, he works in the outdoors, and, and I do, of course, and one of the things I remember him saying to me when we were in college is he wanted a career where the weather made a difference, where, you know, he had to pay attention to the weather mm-hmm. because that made a difference in his day-by-day work. So, yeah, it's always been always been a passion of mine and, and many of my friends. And, and you guys, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add in today or you'd like the public to know before we sign off? Well, I just really appreciate you inviting me on the program. I think it's been a good learning experience for me. And, you know, this is the first time Jay and I have kind of tag teamed something together. (laughs) Um, So that's been fun. But, uh, no, I'm just I'm really honored to serve the people of the Northwest and Eastern Oregon. And we don't go into Boise's area, obviously, but uh, it's good to have a a good partner over there and and get exposure to some of our our other partners. uh, You, Matt, and and the agriculture representing the agricultural community. And I would just uh, echo that. It's been a a pleasure uh, speaking with you today, Matt. And um, 
again, it's an honor to serve the people in, in Idaho and uh, Oregon uh, with uh, forecasts, and we, we hope our forecasts make a difference in their activities in their lives. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much for letting me come do this interview on site and to see you know, how it all gets done. It's a thrill for me, and I really appreciate your time today. Our pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>